Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. This week's episode of this week's episode. It is the week of December 14th, 2022. This is episode 255, I think. No, that's nope. not even close. 259. Right? Can't be too. Sure, it's fine. It's whatever episode <laughs> it is. We'll figure it. We'll fix it in post. I am your host, Chris Randazzo. Joining me tonight is Pretty Lights in the Sky, Karen Randazzo. Do I look thankful to you? And unsecured payload, Angie Fernot. If you don't help us, your family will die. Tonight, it was my pick. And surprise, it's something Star Wars related. How did we all feel about Andor? <laughs> Let's find out now. But first, how the heck are you guys? We're here. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, Evan's not here tonight. We tried to reschedule this once. And I probably sound different because I am at a totally different location using my ancient laptop that I borrowed from Matt Much and a rock band microphone. Uh... <laughs> to record in a pool house <laughs> and and i probably sound a lot like chris because i'm sitting at his desk with his setup and to right, keep evan so she's here using, like the fancy microphone now instead of the headset mic so you're getting karen in higher fidelity than usual i love High it she sounds so schmaxy uh, <laughs> and i'm i'm actually and if i sound better and or worse it's evan's fault i'm at his desk tonight so nobody is where they should be including evan who's not here but we miss He's him. Not here. <laughs> Though he is apparently going to to chime in a couple of a couple of times. He's going to give us his Andor impressions, and since he's editing the episode, he's going to throw them in himself. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll make sure I leave a spot for his Andor impressions and whatever he uh, he was going to talk about Wednesday uh, for the top part of the show. Because um, since we all talk about our things, let's get to work. Right? It's late. We're all tired. Mm-hmm. Everything's everything's difficult, but we're here. We're doing the show. We all have shows to talk about, so I think our special non-existent guest, Evan, should go first. So, Evan, talk to us about Wednesday. Hey, gang. First and foremost, sorry. Can't be on, you know, adulting. It sucks. Um, and I just also want to preface this with I have listened to what everybody is going to say after this little cut-in, and I'm, tr- I'm going to try not to walk over what they said. Um, yes, my topic for what I've been watching is Wednesday. And um, right out the gate, I'm watching to know I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a really good job with it. Um, I went into it cautiously optimistic because I wanted to watch the Sabrina the Teenage Witch because I like that theory and I like the source material and whatnot. Um, and then they went and see WWB all over it. They, they made it really teen melodramatic and it just wasn't for me and even angelo like hate watched it after a while i i watched maybe one or two episodes of it and i couldn't get into it and then when i saw what they were doing with the adams family where they were staying 
relatively true to the original source material. I'm like, this is this is something that shows that they actually are caring about it. Now, I may not be the biggest Tim Burton fan, but when he actually gives a crap about what he is doing, he does a really good job with it. Um, yes, this will never be Raul Julia. This will never be the the best version of Adam's family that was in the theaters, but this is still a very, very good ver- version. Um, Wednesday, she did a phenomenal job. Um, the supporting cast did a really good job, like all of her classmates surrounding her. Um, the the theme of it, like the, the darkness, and, and it wasn't overbearing to the point where like it was, you know, teen melodrama. It was just fun. And if you are a fan of the Adams Family, you get enough of that world to keep you going. Um, you know, you get your the thing and Uncle Fester and you see, you know, uh, Lurch in the background, which was neat. Um, and it 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 did a good job of progressing the 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 Adams family as well as staying true to what it originally was. Um, Karen will comment on the fact that the dance scene in the one of the episodes was kind of a big deal but if you watched the original black and white adams family wednesday was kind of a wackadoo when it came to dancing and this is what they were portraying it wasn't for modern dance audiences it was an homage to what it originally was and they i thought they did a really good job with that and you know when it comes to just it was it was fun it wasn't so heavy and so dramatic that you couldn't just sit back and enjoy the fact that this is a weird world with a weird set of circumstances and just have fun and that's what i truly truly appreciated it about it they didn't take a good fun theory and then make it so dark and gritty and adult what like they didn't do that they they had fun with what they were showing and it and it and it it turned out really really entertaining for me at least um Everybody did a great job. Sporting cast, I mean, like even the the smaller bit characters, you know, the other students, and like it was just a lot of fun, and I highly recommend it. It's it's something that I think, if you are a fan of this universe, it it pays true homage to it. And if you just like entertaining television, there's something in it there for you as well. So with that, um, I'll quickly say. I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch Andor. Shh, don't tell Chris. I will watch it, but don't tell him right now because he'll get mad at me and he'll 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 take me out of the show. Shh, don't tell. All right. All right, back to the show. Oh, I remember I talked about Wednesday. <laughs> Wait, I'll mark this in stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we did the things and Evan, that was great. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I'm Evan, so glad I totally you liked Andor hated that show. <laughs> I totally agree slash disagree. Seriously, I couldn't agree or disagree more. We know what we've all said and or a couple of times, and we're going to talk about and or tonight. Yeah, I keep catching that. It's very confusing. I don't like it. I'm going to tell you right now, Chris, hot take for the night. I don't like it because of the name. Okay, moving on. Yeah, but there's a recap show called No Ifs and or Buts. I keep referring to the show as If Then. 
Anyway, uh, so yeah. here's an excuse to talk about Wednesday. Uh, we are five episodes in, I think. Uh, yeah, and it think is right. Wednesday, the day that we are recording. Oh, my that God, is it is. True. It's, <laughs> it's all coming together. So many things. Uh, I, I think that show is fantastic. I don't know uh, what Evan's thoughts are at this point. So uh, I don't know if I'm agreeing with him, but I, I am so totally into it. I think it is absolutely wonderful. I think the girl playing with Jenny Ortega, who mm-hmm. plays Wednesday, is phenomenal. She's delivering those Wednesdayism lines mm. uh, flawlessly. It is a different animal, which mm. I, I think I've come to understand. I've seen a few people dis- have distaste for this show, and I think it's coming from a position of an expectation of what the Adams family is. Um, and this this isn't an Adams family show. It is a it is its own thing. It's a spinoff, um, which is why I don't expect it to function like an Adams family show. This is a this is a different a different take on a different situation for one of those characters that is involved in the Adams family thing. But similar to, I guess to put it similar similarly to Andor, Andor stylistically is not very Star Wars. Um, just like Wednesday is on a, a kind of a basic level, it's more of a, a teen drama ish kind of thing that's Adams family flavored. Uh, and and I am thoroughly enjoying the heck out of it. I think it's funny. I think it's clever. I honestly don't know completely what's going to happen mm. you know? so uh i'm into it i haven't seen the, the uncle fester episode yet i heard uh um what's his name's uh pretty, pretty dark i forgot that he was yeah, gonna be yeah, in yeah. it i didn't i'm only one episode in and what do you think so far so i actually i think evan is enjoying it because he uh encouraged me to watch it and he was like i really think you're gonna like this show um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. And then I put on the first episode and I didn't realize that it was an hour long. And I have a tendency when I watch television to sit and watch in like 10 to 15 minute spurts. Cause that's all I have time for. And I, I like, I felt like I blinked and the episode was over and an hour had passed. Like I didn't even, right. yeah, it was, I was like, holy crap. Um, so it was I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought that uh, the storytelling was great and the yeah, Wednesday is fantastic. Um Yeah, she's so. she's wonderful. I'm not crazy about um Catherine Zeta Jones as Morticia. Yeah, I would uh, you know, I felt like she was good, but she was just missing the mark a little bit and I don't I, I mean, I thought maybe it was just the first episode, but you're further in and you still feel the same. I mean, they're not in it very much. Um Okay. The, fifth episode i think was the next time we really see them um and and you know gomez was fine um he's never he was never going to be raul julia but as he was always going to play it as a very different take on the character than raul julia did mm-hmm. um the morticia though again it's it's hard to live up to angelica houston because i got she was amazing in that role but even still i feel like I'm not seeing it like when you watch Angelica Houston as Morticia, it's like she's Morticia. I'm I'm seeing Catherine Zeta Jones. I'm not seeing a lot of commitment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's it, it doesn't it seems more flat than it should be. Um, and you know Pugsley Pugsley's okay. Uh, there's he, he seems like the kind of a nothing character. I don't really know what to make of Pugsley as a character outside of that, but um. Everyone else, like I like all the all the students. I especially like Wednesday. I like her roommate. That whole situation between the two of them. The two of them have great chemistry together. 
Um, I like the design of it. I was a little nervous because I, I, I like a lot of Tim Burton stuff, but I also dislike a lot of Tim Burton stuff. Yeah. This really could have gone either way, you know, like Tim Burton directed Planet of the Apes. I fucking hate that movie. Mm. I don't like the live action um, uh, Alice in Wonderland stuff. Like it, Tim Burton could really go either way. Um, of course, I love some of his other stuff. So I'm really glad this is panning out to be one of the Tim Burton things that I really like uh, mm -hmm. because when he nails his style uh, to to my tastes, it really connects with me. So uh, I'm thrilled with this show. I can't wait to see the rest of it. Yeah, I uh, that's co-signed. <laughs> it's very encouraging. Karen, you're um, liking it. Yeah, I the only couple bits I had to throw in were little little things. Every time I learn a little more, little factoid about filming i fall a little bit more in love like chris recently told me that apparently when the camera is on jenna ortega she doesn't blink yeah um <laughs> which is fascinating and i don't think i could ever have that kind of control so amazing now that you know for that her. angie look out for it because I, I didn't yeah. notice it for the first couple episodes and i actually I that yeah no i did i saw it scene and and <laughs> and tim burton liked it so she just doesn't do it now and i'm now, every time I watch an episode, I'm like, oh, my God, how's she doing that? Yeah, I, I noticed that because I was watching and I started to try and mimic her. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, this is actually uncomfortable. Like, yeah, I, I yes, I noticed the, the fact that she wasn't blinking. And I just thought that maybe I was like, I was like, oh, I must have missed it somewhere. But like, I definitely I definitely made a mental note about it while watching. <laughs> fantastic that's so great cool. the other thing i just learned is that uh apparently there's a you might have seen headlines about a uh, famous dance scene in one of the like i think maybe the fourth episode mm. apparently she had covid while filming that day no yeah <laughs> wow so, even more impressive so she was and acting I'll while having covid apparently yeah. like i didn't i only read the headlines so i don't know like was she contagious how much was she masking like i i just don't know but they were waiting on results for a test that wound up being positive when they shot the scene and they went in and shot it anyway which is a Sketchy. bit on the irresponsible side but you know regardless of that still the physical act of doing that while sick with covid is impressive on its mm. own right yeah um don't necessarily agree with the them having like okay well we think you have covid let's do a test but let's film anyway while we're waiting for the results but you know <laughs> yeah i'm not in charge of things yeah but well okay so i mean obviously it all worked out fine mm -hmm. uh but yowza okay well who wants to go next uh i could i can go just get out of the way Go yes. for it. Okay, so uh, I do have to declare, I do declare uh, <laughs> oh, that I have given up on Step Up. Oh, I, just, I thought you were going to say The Walking Dead. <laughs> no, no, haven't given up. I haven't really gone back to it yet either. I actually like flipped through the other day and I was like, uh, pass. Um, so <laughs> I... <laughs> I got to season, I went through the first two seasons of Step Up because I have a problem and something is wrong with me and I like terrible television. I don't know what to tell you. Um, 
And I ended up getting to the third season. And the third season, just picture it, two teenagers in a beautiful hotel room fucking a th- almost full nudity because stars picked up the show. Oh, wow. And it was like a gratuitous sex scene of two of the characters in a way that I have absolutely never, like, I will tell you, I fast forward every time it, it like, it doesn't fade to black soon enough. I fast forward through those scenes. Um, and this one, I was like, oh, what now? Like, I, it was so uncomfortable. Y'all, I know that it's supposed to be like, oh, yeah, they're 17, 18 years old, whatever. They're kids. They're children. Absolutely not. I don't want to see this. Nope, 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 nope. So, uh, yeah, just wanted y'all to know that uh, I'm done with that show. I, I tried to watch, uh, especially with new casting, because there was so much time in between the YouTube show and then the recasting of characters uh, in order to like do the new version. And um, no, no, just no. Okay, moving on. Anyway, uh, so the show I did want to actually talk about is, <laughs> sorry, I had to get that out, uh, Limitless with Chris Hemsworth. So, um, I was just in a mood one night and I was like, <laughs> eh, let's put this on. I haven't made fun of Chris Hemsworth in a while. I ended up actually feeling like I was taking value away from this show and I'm slightly mad at him for it. <laughs> um, I feel as though in reality, this show is kind of a hack, right? Like he's doing things that are incredibly challenging and dangerous. And they're like, you know, it, when you're doing this thing, you could die. And like, he's a fucking celebrity. No one's going to let him die. He's Thor. Like, no, but he did put himself in situations where it did feel like there was a very real aspect or element of risk. And each episode is themed. There's six episodes. The first episode uh, deals with stress. And I was having a particularly stressful day that way. So I just felt like, wow, that's on point. Um, When they tackle his issues with stress, the way the episodes are structured is he will have the theme and then he is uh, talking to a specialist or two per episode. And then they have like a challenge that he is set to overcome a timeline for how long he needs to train to overcome that challenge. And then you're kind of on the journey with him as he experiences the, the things that they want him to work on in order to perform the task. So the first episode he's afraid of heights and it's about having him walk across this like, crane thing structure and because he's afraid of heights like he's feeling really apprehensive about it and he gets really stressed out and then he's working with a coach the coach is there to teach him methods to cope with his stress but one of the things that they do is they put him with like i don't know basically i guess the equivalent of like the australian navy seals um and they tie your hands behind your back and then they bind your they bind your hands and your ankles essentially and your hands are behind your back and then they throw you in a pool and make you swim and do like activities. Um you have to like go to the bottom of the pool and then swim back to the top, do somersaults, retrieve something from the bottom of the pool. Uh there's all sorts of different stuff, all while your hands and feet are bound. And the first time he's doing it, he fails and then like he gets out of the pool and the coach is talking to him about like negative self-talk and having like positive self-talk and then he gets back in the water and he succeeds and every episode has something like that with like i didn't think i could do it but then i did and it's like yeah dude 
that's kind of how it works. You're unfamiliar, and then you figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah, however, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth learns to be a normal person, right? Yeah, but like, <laughs> it. I think that there was an aspect of it that's relatable though, because he talks about how like he'll go on set and he'll be like, "Oh, if I don't get this line right, like everything fails. I'm gonna fail," or like the kids will be screaming and I'll be doing ten things at once and da da da. Like he does share some things about like parenting and just humanity that I think at least when I look at celebrities, I kind of take for granted that they would have those experiences. Cause I'm like, you have so much money. I don't believe you have real problems. Um, <laughs> so that's my ignorance talking, but um, yeah, like he goes through it. And, and the thing that I found interesting though, is that they had him do breathing exercises. They taught him box breathing. He did uh, the positive self-talk and positive affirmations. And then um, he did, Oh, there's one other thing he was doing. Uh, and then he goes through and he completes the task at the end and he struggles a little bit, but he gets through it. Uh, and the whole time he's wearing like, like a, like a monitor. Like it's like, a it looks almost like a sleeveless shirt, but it's got like all of these sensors in it. So it's monitoring like his heart rate and they can tell when he's really stressed and stuff like that. And it was just really interesting. And every episode had something cool. Like there was an episode where he fasted for four days with uh, a coach the coach fasted with him and at the end of that four days he had to like uh free dive and spear a fish that they were going to eat together to break their fast now they show him spearing the fish whether or not he had actually gone four days without eating is a totally different thing um but it's just really cool because when they're talking about why he does each of those things or what the body is doing as he's doing each of these things there are breakdowns and there are science and the science from my fairly limited knowledge and research seems to reflect what I've read before. Uh, and it's just cool to see them approaching these things and doing it in a way that like they take it to these extremes where there's like all of this drama, but it's like kind of fun and entertaining. So I ended up watching all of it. And then when it got to the very end, they made him old. I don't know. They, <laughs> Uh, you can what? see they literally, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to show you. Um, so if you are listening to this, dear, dear listener, uh, go online and just Google Chris Hemsworth old. And um, if, if this is how he is actually going to age, I don't know where to send this to you guys because I don't know where Evan has messenger. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Paste. Okay and send uh so apparently hmm. they aged him up uh, as a as a part of an activity uh dude looks good hopefully he keeps that much hair i don't know um but he like yeah straight up they 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 put him they had like a three-day retreat thing where they had him like go as if he were being sent to a retirement community um but they put a suit on him that like limited all of his mobility and then he had to wear these special glasses and like uh sound dampening like he had a helmet on and it was like sound dampening um i'm assuming it was weighted too because it, you know they were trying to affect his posture but this the suit was like developed by mit and apparently people at mit will like put this on people so that they can have an experience of what it's like to age and the relationship with one's body and, and, you know, limited mobility and all of this stuff. Um, and I've actually 
I, I don't know, like I really, I found it fascinating because they're incorporating all this weird science. But again, like this isn't something where I'd be like, yes, absolutely. I believe that that's 100% true. I've read papers on this and I agree. Yes, scientists, Limitless is a great resource for uh, information and knowledge. No, this is still pure entertainment. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, they put him in this place. And, and I think that it brings a level of awareness to what it's like for someone and how isolating it can be to, to go to a retirement community, especially if you don't have other people with you. Um, and they make him like go through this like death meditation where he pretends to die. Like I, th- it's crazy. It's crazy. And they had him pick out a coffin and lay in a coffin. Like it's so, it's so bizarre but all of it was about like confronting your own mortality and death. And there was like a mortality coach who was there, who was talking to him about this stuff. Um, And apparently it came out like after the fact when this show has now, you know, had some time on the air uh, that apparently he has a high risk of getting Alzheimer's and that may have been what inspired the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know what the reality is for like, like to me, I was just like, yeah, you're a guy with a lot of money who wanted to do a bunch of like crazy stuff. Um, and you had a chance to do it. And then there was like, oh, let's create a story around it. But the, the health aspect of it for him um yeah i mean he's genetically predisposed to get alzheimer's i think that if a person finds out at i think he's like 30 or 39 years old that you are you know much more likely than the average person to end up with this that's yeah i can get it like i i understand you know um but yeah, so overall, that was that was the big thing that I watched recently, and I I blew through the episodes. Um, I think that it's interesting because the show is about self improvement and challenging yourself to do things you didn't know you could do. It also, fun fact, one of the episodes had a rope climbing challenge uh, because he had to climb like a hundred meter rope over a fucking canyon, like literally middle of nowhere like you're looking down and there's just like he's miles above trees and there was like a little tram car thing and then yeah i don't know the whole everything about that made me uncomfortable but he had to climb this rope and then like the rope gets heavier and heavier as he climbs because he's got more and more of it that he's like holding on to and has to like lift with his legs as he does it but i learned how to rope climb and then i went to a park and i climbed a rope at like uh the park because they have like a little ninja warrior mini course there and i was like Thank you, Chris Hemsworth. I learned from you today. So that was great. But that's it. That I, I think it's cool. Um, they cover uh, stress, shock, fasting, strength, memory, and then acceptance, which is just acceptance of death. So, yeah. That. Sounds very interesting. Um, yeah. And just sort of like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe hard to watch um, for some of the subject matter, I guess, depending where you're coming at it from. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I will say is that I do feel, oh, they did one. Okay. Two things, actually. Um, 
I felt like they were trying to come at it from a place of creating a relationship with the viewer to, to put them in a space where like, I don't know the way they filmed it was weird because all of the camera stuff was really close up and dramatic when they're like interviewing people, but it felt like that was an attempt for them to try and make it. So like they're engaging with you more directly. Um, and to me, it was actually a little off-putting, but I, I felt like I could see the intention. I just didn't feel like it was working for me. But one of the things that I found absolutely fascinating about all of this was that they would share stories from people around the world that related to these subjects. So when they when they shared the story about shock, they said they were sharing about um, a woman who had had an injury in her leg and she, I think, had like chronic pain. And the only time the pain actually went away was when she put her leg in the really, really, really cold water. And then they were showing this footage of her. Like she goes, she literally hiked out to the middle of a frozen lake, cut a hole and then jumped in the water. And she has like a, a bodysuit on and she has like a mermaid tail. That's what she's swimming with instead of using like normal flippers. Um, and she's swimming through and they have all these insane like shots of her under the ice, just like blowing a bubble into the ice and then watching it like move around under the surface. And all I could think about was, nope, nope, nope. That's a coffin of water and ice. Absolutely. Freaking lutely not. But like for her, she finds it incredibly freeing. And then for the fasting episode, they talk about like um, these people who like will literally uh, hike from a village to a place of worship and they will fast for three days along the journey. And it's like part of their culture to uh, fast for like, you know, over the course of a, of a year, they'll fast like 240 days or something out of the year. Like it's, it's really amazing the stuff that they were bringing to light when they were talking about it. Like there was a culture of people who run uh, as like part of what they do. And it's like, I don't know, like that was the stuff that I found I, I felt was like really endearing was that they were pointing to others around the world who could like be an inspiration. And I felt like they were kind of bringing light to certain cultures and people who um, you might not otherwise know something about. And it made me more curious. And I, so I liked the aspect of exploring curiosity. But yes, I can definitely see like the like a person with an eating disorder. Don't watch the fasting episode, please. Dear God. Um, for a person with anxiety, like, or especially if you're afraid of heights, like, I think that it can be a little bit stressful, but I think that they did it in a way that you could, if you know what you're getting into, you'll be prepared and it'd be okay. So, yeah. But yeah, if you guys watch it, let me know what you think. Cool. Yeah. Neato. Okay. That's all I got. Well, uh, do you want me to go next or do you want to go next? I'll go next so you can run right into the break after yours. Anyway, um, I watched season five of The Crown, um, which dropped, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago. What is time? <laughs> <laughs> so, Who's uh, the subject of this one? Is this the Princess Die season? So it is. Yeah, I mean, Princess Die was in the um, season four as well. But Charles and Diana are the main focus of this. I guess season four was more like how they got together. And season five is more of how things fell apart. Um, but uh. does not go up all the way to her death. Uh, it just kind of goes up to their divorce. Um, yeah. It was 
really weird to watch these events that I have, am conscious of have them having happened in my lifetime. Like, I remember hearing things about Princess Di in the news, but I was, you know, a young teenager in America. So it was just sort of like, I mean, I was just sort of t- tangentially aware of these things happening and like, oh, I, I knew that Princess Di got a divorce and uh, whatever. I did, didn't know much really beyond that. Um, so it was really interesting to see how all these events played out. Um, <clears throat> there is some, I've read some interesting things about how, I guess, the way things happened in the show. I mean, this is true of any, like, biopic, but the way things happened in the show isn't really how they happened in real life. And there's some speculation that they sort of rearranged the order of certain events to make um, Prince Charles look much better and Diana maybe not as good. Uh, oh, don't to, love that. In order to reflect well of better on the, the royalty, I guess. Um, yeah. I Between this and I was um, reading an audiobook recently of like a fictionalized version of royalty and I'm just like so over the whole monarchy as a thing <laughs> like this is nonsense <laughs> even though nothing that i was reading or watching was actual true events it's just all like monarchy's a bad idea it's just not good um Agreed. i think the uh, the highlight of the season for me was there was uh i think it was the third episode it was called mumu <laughs> um yeah i know <laughs> so uh, it if you don't Depending, you may or may not know, depending on how much you know about Princess Di and all of this. But at the time of her death, she was with a guy named Dodi Al-Fayed, who is the son of a guy named Mohammed Al-Fayed, who is Egyptian, I believe. Um, and so Mumu tells the story of Mohammed and how, like, from him being a young adult in Egypt, how he came to, you know to live in london how he like got all his success because he became like incredibly wealthy Mm. um and he was obsessed with the royals and trying to like be as good as them and uh get to meet them and uh just you know i don't know that was like his standard of like when i get to be as good as the queen then i know that i've reached the pinnacle of success <clears throat> so he does all these things to like, you know, he gets a lot of money and then he buys Harrods as just like the most famous department store in London. And uh, like you do. Right. So he does all these things. Oh, he also. So prior to Elizabeth being the queen, her father became the king because his brother gave up the throne to be with um, Wallace Simpson, who was divorcee and that was like not okay for him to marry as the king so he gave up the throne to marry this woman so the disgraced former king had this valet like servant guy who ended up later in his career working in this hotel that was bought by Muhammad al-fayed and once once Muhammad uh, mumu that was his nickname that's why the episode is called that 
Um, I just wanted to explain that so I don't sound like a crazy person. I mean, you sound so like when, a crazy person, but it's okay. So once uh, Muhammad found out that this guy w- worked for the former king, he decided to hire him as his own personal valet to have him teach teach him everything about like how to be like the highest level of gentleman um which was just bananas so he does all this stuff to try and like meet the queen and uh he becomes uh the sponsor of this big horse race because the queen loves horse racing um and if uh, you sponsor the event, the queen is supposed to sit next to the sponsor in the stands and, like, chat with him and, like, it's, you know, kind of an honor you get for sponsoring the horse race. So he, he goes through all this trouble, sponsors this horse race, and the queen is, like, walking over and, like, oh, who's that in my box? Who do I have to sit with? And somebody explains who he is. And then she's like, oh, I guess I better sit with him. And then she sees her friend, like, off screen, and she's like, oh, there's my friend. I want to go talk to him. Sent and she tells her secretary, like, send somebody else uh, to go sit with him. So the the secretary goes and gets Diana and has her sit with him. So that's how she met the father of the guy that she ended up being with at the end of her life. Jesus. It was like, oh, like, just blew my mind. Wow. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the, real? Like, that's how that happened? I mean, I don't know if that's all 100% accurate, but like... I know this guy was a you know is a wealthy you know person with a lot of influence and did in fact own the department store and he and um, his son Dodie were uh, film producers. They won an Oscar for I think Wings of Desire, something in the early eighties. Um, like whether all these events happened exactly the way the show shows them happening. I don't mm. know, but they're, the the base facts are in fact true. So, now did you it's watch? Crazy. Oh, sorry. Did you watch the movie Spencer? I did not. Okay, okay, that's fine. But but I no, but I am interested to see like Kristen Stewart's portrayal. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I have seen it. I I would love to know your thoughts when you watch it. I will wait. But I just wanted to know because it it yeah, that whole movie I, is about that. <laughs> There was a lot of other, um, there was a lot of other plot in the season about sort of, by this point, Charles and Diana were separated, but they weren't allowed to get divorced because the, because of religion and monarchy and bullshit. (laughs) Um, So like they started kind of doing press and each making the other one look worse um, and it's just really interesting. Like Diana sort of felt like a, um, she was like kind of isolated where she was living. The, her older son went off to Eton. So, and he was like her closest, you know, family connection. Uh, so she didn't really have anyone. She couldn't really go anywhere because she was still princess and like, you know, chased by paparazzi everywhere. And, there was this um, crazy chain of events that uh, a reporter went through to try and like get in contact with her and get her to agree to do this interview that would be like really, really damaging for the, uh, for the Royal family. Um, And like, he ended up faking bank statements that uh, he was using to convince Diana's brother that like she's being spied on and she's 
and and the person who's doing it is being paid by the royal family and he made up all this shit to like convince her to do it and it turned out not to be true and there's there's like some again there's a lot of speculation as to whether whether the way the show showed it is actually what happened but something happened it's all very sketchy and intriguy and so you know i i enjoyed it um I don't want to say I'm looking forward to season six, but I'm like interested to see how they show the remaining events play out. Um, Cause it, it was the way they filmed the scenes where she's being chased by paparazzi or other people connected her to her. I like she's in a car and she's driving away and like these paparazzi on these little fast motor scooters are like getting way too close to the car and like, I was uncomfortable watching it and I'm not, you know, in remotely in any danger. But I was like, oh, that's that's really, really dangerous what's happening there. And like knowing what eventually ended up happening is like scary as hell. So yeah. <sighs> so I I I hope to see the rest soon. Um What yeah, motivates you to watch that show? Like what why do you like the crown? Out of curiosity. So I'm like kind of an Anglophile, um, always have been, you know, I've been a Doctor Who fan that started when I was a Doctor Who fan when I was 10. Um, I was just introduced to a lot of like British entertainment. And then when I was 19, I went and lived there for a semester. Dang. Um, so that and that kind of sealed the deal like okay well now i've lived there and like from then on i've pretty much always been interested in anything british so i didn't know you lived there that's really cool ah one of the best things i've ever done if if anybody out there listening has any opportunity to send anyone you know to do study abroad i highly recommend it yeah that 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 is very common that is what i often hear yes so all right well when does the next season come out I have no I have an idea. I should probably look that up and be responsible. Nah, it's fine. We don't care that much. Point. Cool. I don't All know right. how to work Chris's computer. <laughs> I'm literally sitting so still right now in this chair trying not to touch anything because I'm like, this is Evan's computer. I don't want to touch it. I know. I'm like, I don't want my, my stitching frame to like bang on the desk and get picked up on the mic. <laughs> Okay, so season six is the final season. We'll recover the royal family's lives from the late 90s to the 2000s. And either late 2023 or early 2024. Okay. Yeah, some uh, time. Five and six are, they were filmed uh, the respective seasons back to back, but they had a couple of brief pauses of filming season six out of respect for the queen's death and funeral. Yeah. And according to this article that is 12 days old was still, still ongoing the filming of season six. So that's annoying. (laughs) Well, I mean, at least, at least it's happening. We know it's happening. It's not like it got canceled or something like that. So, you know, yeah. And as we know, I'm, you know, as I said, I'm a Whovian. I'm used to waiting years <laughs> for new seasons to come out. So fair. <laughs> Very fair. All right, yeah. Chris. It's your time. Well, I would very much like to talk about a show that has taken my house by storm called Bread Barbershop. 
Oh my Jesus Christ, this fucking thing. What? This isn't actually my pick. I just have to mention it. My daughter has come across a show on Netflix called Bread Barbershop, which is about a piece of bread, a slice of bread with a mustache. He's like, is this gruff old guy who was a master barber for cupcakes. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I literally, I can't. I cannot. What? The However fuck? weird I'm making it sound, I promise you it's stranger when you watch it. Mm-hmm. It's got a pet sausage that's a dog. That's definitely a sausage. Uh, he's got a, 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 a like a janitor a, an assistant named Wilk, who is a carton of milk that says Wilk instead of milk. <laughs> and at one point he like gave the dog milk from his head and it was weird. I hate this. And that's a show that exists for children. This is episode 259, by the way. I figured that out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Bread Barbershop is a show that exists. It sounds awful. <laughs> Honestly. You know, it, it's not awful. I will say that. It is not awful. It is ex- it's not good, but it's not <laughs> bad. It's just weird. It's just unbelievably strange. I feel like maybe the show has done something to your mind where you're like, <laughs> it's not that bad. Come see. Like, that's the thing. I've watched bad kids shows before. Like, it's not bad. The intro is bad. The intro is like just a really long string of nonsensical images of just weird things that happen in the show. And it goes on for way too long. But the show itself is not like you you watch a kid's show and you're like, I want to blow my brains out. This isn't that. It's just the kind of thing you keep looking at and being like, what is happening right now? And not like Teletubbies weird, where it's just like, this is just a bunch of weird babbling. Like, you're just looking at the, like, there's, there's plots and, you know, there's a, someone's going to shut them down if they don't get good reviews from... It's it's crazy. It's it's just insanity. It's it's a fever dream about bread who styles cupcakes with with whipped cream and and strawberries and uh, anyway, the show I want to talk about is Willow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice segue. I just needed to get that off of my uh off of my chest. So there's a Willow TV series. Yeah. I I never thought that I would be here. Um I loved Willow as a kid. Uh, it isn't like an, an amazing movie or anything like that. It's just, it's, it, you know, it, it, it does everything that it does well. Like it's, it's a mediocre thing overall that's told well enough to make it special. Like the performances are special. The look of it is special. You know, Ron Howard's directing is special. Like it, it is a special movie, but it never caught on the way the other Lucasfilm properties, Indiana Jones and Star Wars did. Uh, but I, as a kid, always really liked it, and I was kind of surprised that nothing ever came of it as far as, you know, because this is the world we live in. Like, of course, there's going to be sequels and comic books to just about anything, and apparently they're the only continuation of Willow that existed since the original movie was a couple of books that were some sort of prequel content, and that was it. Which yeah. strikes me as weird, but here we are. In the year of our Lord 2022, there is a Willow TV series on Disney Plus, and I am pleased as punch with it. 
Uh-huh. I've we've we've watched a decent amount of high fantasy stuff uh, this year. Like this year's been absolutely insane for television. Um, and we have watched both like the big ones that hit this year were Lord of the Rings, uh, the Rings of Power and House of the Dragon. And, you know, House of the Dragon was fine. Uh, it was a, it was good enough for us to continue watching it, but I didn't really want to root for anybody. It had some cool dragon stuff, but there were no characters that I liked. Mm. Um, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power uh, was interesting. It was it was fun. Uh, I think it looked. It was it was very very expensive looking. I could not get over watching it and being like, "This is expensive." I don't know. There's just this sheen to the entire thing that made it very expensive, and um, I I enjoyed it. It just wasn't like I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I liked this show very much. Okay, but it never never quite got to the Lord of the Rings movies. This, on the other hand, is really just, it's, it's, it's hitting me in all the right places. I hadn't seen Willow in, in, in a good long while, so I kind of background watched the movie over a, a day or two and um, just kind of reacquainted myself with it and, and the mythology around, uh, you know, this. And uh, it, was, it was just as fun as I remembered it being. Uh, I think it was one of the first times, I, I, one of the few times I've seen that movie as an adult, and... I love all the performances. Uh, I didn't realize how young Warwick Davis was in that movie. I don't know what his actual age was, but he looked so young in that movie. But the you know the 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 mythology behind it, the you know the the villain wasn't much of like there wasn't much there. But the whole plot of this little kid, Alora, you know the whole plot of Willow was there was they they this uh, village of small people, the not hobbits found uh this little human baby Alora, who was supposed to be uh prophesized to grow up and destroy the queen bavmorda and you know, st- stop all the evil in the world or some some crazy stuff like that she's she's chosen one kid so willow winds up having to he's a training to be a great sorcerer and he winds up having to try and save this little girl from being destroyed by the evil queen and all of her evil minions and he meets up with this Han Solo-esque character, Mad Mardigan, who is like a bad guy that falls in love and becomes kind of a good guy. But the the trick of that whole thing was that he got hit by a love potion, which is why he fell in love with the the evil woman who was Bavmorda's daughter. And like, she was like pure evil. But this prophecy dude was just like, hey, she's going to turn on you. And she's like, nah, my daughter's she's solid. She's evil as shit. There's no way she's going to turn on me. And this guy's like, no, I've seen it. She's gonna betray you. And then, like, Mad Mardigan gets all, like, completely poetic on her because he got hit by a love potion. Because the two of them hate each other. But then, like, he does that turn, and then she kind of sort of falls for it. And then it turns out that, you know, after the love potion wears off, you know, shit goes foul. But eventually the two of them wind up together. It's not a great love story, but it's it's fine. You know, it, it, it just kind of happens like, well, you know, I've seen worse. It's fine. And these two characters have a lot of charisma. So hooray. Val Kilmer is wonderful as Mad Martigan. But so this show is, takes place years and years and years later. Um, the, what's her name? The Bavmorda's daughter is, is in charge of, uh, the, the realm now. And, uh, she and Willow had kind of a falling out because Willow wanted to train, uh, Alora once she 
got old enough to start to learn how to use magic. And she was like, no, I think it's better if we just not tell her who she is and let her grow up as a normal person and just kind of just stop this whole magic nonsense. Like, just just stop it. The evil's gone. We're good. We're clear. We got barrier. We're good. Stop it. So and Willa it's didn't Dumbledore dropping Harry off at the, at the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> so, except, you know, she's not living anywhere awful. She's just, you know, living a semi-decent uh, anonymous life. She's she's like a handmaiden, basically. So she's not, you know, living a life of, you know, glory or anything. But she's also not quite the Dursleys. <laughs> but, right. Uh, and Dumbledore never thought that Voldemort was completely gone either. Right. Yeah. Dumbledore was definitely. So it's not that him. at all. It's like that, except not. It's it, but it is it is like that. It was a good connection. It was just, you know, it's like that, but with some differences. So um, we find out, I think, in the first episode or the yeah, the end of the very end of the first episode, like you don't get any willow in like the whole first episode, basically. It's all like the humans and these kids and the evil start to come back and they eventually have to go find willow uh, to, to, you know, kind of go out to find uh what are they looking for i forget the kid the, the prince that got kidnapped right the, the well one of mad martigan's kids got kidnapped and so they're out looking for the prince and the prince kind of fell for the girl that just so happens to be uh alora though they don't know that and so she goes with them well she doesn't go with them she kind of goes on her own to go find him and they kind of like you know, follow up and meet each other reluctantly and then when they find willow which was just a, a really wonderful scene for me to see with willow sees her and immediately recognizes her and, and it's just like oh warwick davis you're wonderful and that that was a touching scene being like it's so nice to see you again um so that's pretty cool uh the, the it's it's it does not take itself seriously, just like the original Willow movie. It it knows exactly how seriously to take itself, which is just barely enough. Um, I we've only I've only seen the first two episodes. The third episode aired today, but I haven't. I did not have a chance to watch it today because you know life being what it is. Uh, but one of the things I'm really looking forward to seeing is more of the willow character himself because as much as i love everybody else you know the show is called willow and i really want to know what happened to him next and something that i read um from uh from an interview with warwick davis was that one of the big points of the show is him what's her name i can't remember the character's name but i have mortis daughter she's the the, the queen or whatever she tells willow that he's never going to be a great sorcerer um, because apparently he never really got that far. He, you know, can do magic, but he never really reached like master sorcerer levels like his teacher in the uh, the, the first movie and, and stuff like that. And he beat Bavmorda by doing a magic trick, not like using sorcery, like he did his like disappearing pig trick, like a sleight of hand magic trick. That's how he beat her in the in the original movie. And that's kind of like this fallback point like willow has a lot of doubts about himself like he always wanted to be a great sorcerer and now he's in charge of training Alora to be a sorcerer and use magic and to save the world and he's got a lot of doubts about his own abilities to do that because he his whole reason for being famous in the first place was from doing a stupid magic trick that didn't even involve any real magic so um i'm really interested to see where it goes it's it's got a lot of teen drama ish elements um it's got uh 
some very strange music cues uh, over the credits for both episodes have been like just modern music and it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's very strange. Not enough to like really hurt the show or anything like that. Cause <clears throat> during the show, at least in the first two episodes, it's always just been, you know, the kind of music you'd expect out of a, you know, fantasy show. But then like the credits start happening and it's like, what, what, what am I listening to? This is weird. But all in all, I'm, I, I'm, I'm loving the show. I'm so glad it exists. I think everybody in it's doing a great job. I'm genuinely curious to see where the plot goes. Uh, I, I just, I could not reasonably be happier with a Willow TV show. Um, I'm sad Val Kilmer couldn't really be involved because the whole throat cancer thing and not being able to talk, but mm. apparently his, he was involved in the show in some meaningful way. And uh, we will find out what happened to Maddie Mardigan throughout the course of the series. So I'm looking forward to that, but I, I think it's great. I hope it's, I hope it catches on. I hope it finds an audience because uh, I, I think it's a, it's a fun world. That's so cool. I love seeing I that the, it came back. <clears throat> I think the cast is really great. Um, especially like the kids who were on the quest to go, um, go rescue the prince that got kidnapped. And I love that it's the prince that got kidnapped. Um, and, and he the prince was great too he's very charismatic too i think before he disappeared i was like oh he's my favorite character damn it um but it includes uh tony revelori who is uh who's smash thompson from the um tom oh, holland spider-man <laughs> yeah flash not smash oh, what the hell. okay um and aaron aaron kellyman who was Enfys nest in um was it solo or yeah, solo, and mm. she was also uh, the villain in Captain in, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, one Winter of the Soldier. bad guys in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and uh, Alora Dannon is Ellie Bamber, who uh, is familiar to me. Um, I don't know that she would have been in a lot of things that you guys saw, but she was Cosette in the Les Mis miniseries that they did a couple years ago. Oh. Um, so yeah, uh, I think a lot of bright up and comers that I like and. Holy shit, that sentence made me feel old. <laughs> uh, oh, that's because we are old. Oh, apparently uh, Kit, the the princess, the prince who got kidnapped's sister, had a pretty big role in Mayor of East Town, which got a lot of uh, critical acclaim last year. Hmm. Clearly she's seasoned as well. Seasoned. So much more that's polite salty tasty <laughs> mm, aged like a fine sandwich oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. moldy wilty not great rank okay well uh on that note <laughs> on that note i think uh, i think we should take ourselves a quick break here um go get a sandwich yeah, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, my pick, which was Andor. And I'm very excited to talk about this show because, uh, surprise, I love it. And uh, yeah, you're listening to this week's episode from geekade.com. Stick around. Hi, everyone. Chris here. Podcast listening is free, but podcast creation is not. That's why the Geekade Patreon exists. In an effort to help us pay the bills, we've got a Patreon page set up where you can gain access to our monthly podcast topic schedule, get early access to many of our shows, and more. 
If you'd like to help support Geekade and keep these shows running week after week, head over to the Geekade Patreon page, linked in the show notes of this very podcast. Okay, we are back, and we are here to talk about Andor, which uh, is a show I was very fond of, but really had a hard time choosing an episode to go in with, because uh, there's a lot going on in this show, and I wasn't really sure where to pick up from. But anyway, uh, just to kind of get the basics out of the way, this is a Star Wars TV show that is set before the events uh, of Rogue One, which is the story of how the Rebels got their hands on the Death Star plans. Um, it centers around Cassian Andor and kind of the very beginnings of forming the rebellion. Um, there's a, there's a lot of plot threads going on that this, a particular episode didn't capture. Uh, so it, it is missing a lot of what made this show special, but I thought as a standalone thing that was very neat to look at and kind of showed off some of the good drama that this show is capable of. I chose the episode The Eye, which was episode six, aired on October 12th, 2022. I also think when you chose it, it was probably the most impressive episode to air to date when at the time that you chose it. Since then, we've finished watching the whole series. So I don't know that we would say that's true. Yeah, I don't think it's the it. most impressive episode for sure, but the only problem with the other ones is that they're so impressive because of what came before them. Correct. Uh, there's some... The story arc that happens immediately after this, because the eye is the midway point of the season, and then the rest of it is dealing with a lot of the aftermath, which involves and uh, Cassian Andor winding up in, a, in prison, which was this just amazing series of episodes that culminated in... Uh, just just a jaw-dropping performance from Andy Serkis uh, and uh, Skellen Car- Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. He does this, this just amazing speech about his character, which is really interesting. And you got none of it in in the eye. Um, but for, of course, those episodes, like, you can't just watch One Way Out. You have to see this the stuff that led up to it. Right. For what happens in it to really carry the weight that it did, which was really astounding. But um, I'm very curious what Angie's thoughts are <laughs> on this, having only seen this one episode. I don't know if I want to say. Okay. I, oh, it's fine. <laughs> I found this hard to connect to because it did feel like there was so much going on. And I'm not attached to the star wars universe even like 0.2 percent of the amount that you are and uh because of that when i'm dropped in like one of the first things that, that i've struggled with from the beginning and i don't know why i get that like Tyrion lannister and fucking like i don't know uh whatever other weird names they had on game of thrones or like any other fantasy like tolkien thing Everyone has weird names, but for whatever reason in Star Wars, they'll say a name and I'll be like, what was, what? Like, what? And then the, and then I'll get confused and then they'll use some sort of terminology like that I do not understand. And for some reason, it doesn't just automatically click for me. It doesn't, it, it like, it doesn't get easier. Um, so there'll be points where I'm just completely taken out of it, like, 
because I, I don't fully grasp something and I'm trying to catch up. Um, when I was watching this episode, I, I was trying to understand like, well, what, what is the significance? Like are, are the people that he's with, like, are these good guys or are these bad guys? Or what is the context for this? Why, how do they have this relationship? Like, but what I found was that even with all of this, like complete lack of context and, and really no attachment to any of the characters, which I will get back to in a second. Um, I was, I was like getting nervous for them. I was like, Oh man, the stakes seem really high here. Like what? Oh God. And then, and then the one character, she like, didn't want to jump over the ledge when they were on the bridge. And I was like, and the, she, the, the other girl's like, stop stalling. And I'm like, yeah, stop stalling. Why are you stalling? What, why does this matter? Uh, it, it was that really tension is why I picked this. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm glad that came through for sure. It, it definitely did. And, uh, I thought that this was going to be one of those things where I would just kind of sit and be like, eh, I'm going to doodle while I watch it. Cause like, yeah, I'm not super invested. And then I found like I was getting invested and, and I really did want to better understand what was happening. And, and, um, I was curious and I thought, Oh, I thought it was really cool too. Like there's just little things like technologically that they do in this show. Like when, um, Oh shit. The, the, I guess it'd be the Imperial army. What are the, the tie fighters? What are the things they get in and they fly those ships toward them? And then at the end of the episode, the bad guy ships. Yeah. The bad guy ships. Yeah. Yeah. Tie fighters. Yeah. Tie fighters. Oh, did I get that right? Yes. You did. Yeah. <laughs> that is the only thing I know. Don't ask me anything else. Um, but like watching them like climb down the ladder to get into the tie fighters. Yeah. Like the the way fact we- that they were like hanging from a bar across the top. Yeah. <laughs> that was really neat. <laughs> like it's just cool little details like that. And then this whole like culture of people like that is one of the things that I think is really interesting and fascinating about this world is that or I guess this universe, this entire this <laughs> galaxy far, far away. Um <laughs> They they have like this culture, the, the multiple cultures of people that seem really primitive, and then really strong technological advancements that like are still like s- switches and like weird bobbles and like things that you like that don't make sense, <laughs> but like the the technology does really incredible things. Like it's just so funny the way that they've paired all of these things and that it because it came from a time when like that was technologically advanced and then they just carried it through into the series. Like I, I, even to present day, there's something about that, that I, I really appreciate that timelessness and that consistency. Um, It's like the empire just kind of, it's like the empire just kind of fell in love with that aesthetic. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the ship lap of of brilliant (laughs) things about the, the base conceit of star Wars is that it doesn't, it doesn't take place in the future. Mm -hmm. So, to, it doesn't have to follow technological advancements the way that we know them. Yeah. It happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So mm-hmm. it's like the rules that we know don't matter. So if this the technology doesn't make sense, it doesn't have to because it was in the past. It was a totally it, that 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 one line made all the weird inconsistencies with like you know, I've been rewatching the Mandalorian a little bit and there's an episode with just like this farming village and they're all like wearing rags and pulling fruit out of water and stuff like that. And then there's like a droid helping them. Like yeah. They got, they got this robot like helping them. Like, we don't have that technology. And yeah, like, but they do. And it just like, like ships traveling from planet to planet are just like nothing. That's just the, the, the basic technology. And 
I, I well, one of the many things I love about Star. Yeah, I, I do find that like, and I didn't pay attention to it as much. I guess when watching the Mandalorian, I was just like, yeah, cool, badass bounty hunter, duh. like the music, blah, 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 blah. like getting all into it. I don't really like think about it. And then when I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm looking for stuff to connect to. But then because of the lack of attachment, it also kind of, I guess, raised my awareness of some of the stuff that I would normally take for granted on the show. Um, and the people as they were traveling, like I was so curious about them and I was like, why do they matter? What's happening to them? Like this ceremony that they're performing seems so cool. And then like the scene with the sky, I mean, that was absolutely freaking beautiful. Um, I, I loved that. Yeah. I, I like star Wars. One thing they really do. They, they, they have ways of creating beautiful, aesthetically pleasing scenes and, um, the way that this was filmed, I thought was done really well. So, uh, I did think that one thing that I, that did bother me was like the crew, once they got into the space, the woman, I think she had the, the blonde with a ponytail. I felt like she was kind of overacting. Like she, like her sense of urgency and her, her hostility seems really weird. Um, even in, the scene and it, even though it seemed like it might be part of the character um so she kind of like i don't know she bothered me a little bit and like i did think it was funny how they're like oh yes our careful planning but then like somebody inevitably figures out like something's going on and and like without a l whole lot of context or reason to carry is like no 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 no. there's definitely something up here we gotta go check this out um but overall, I mean, I mean, the episode was fun. It was entertaining. It was tense. It was, it, it was beautiful. Uh, and I, I will say that I, I'm sure that Andor has, you know, because the show is about him, there are episodes that have much more to do with him and his story. I didn't give a fuck about his character though. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 surprisingly not as much as you think. It's more about the things that are happening around him. And okay. like, he does become a very interesting character throughout the course of the series, mm -hmm. but like the, everybody else is the stars of it. It's uh, the, I've, I've been pretty sure I figured the reason the show is called Andor because of so, so little of it deals with him directly is because he's the focal point. He's the catalyst for all of these things that are happening. Mm. Like, so the show starts uh, in his hometown, more or less where uh these two cops are just beaten uh, they're 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 harassing somebody in a bar and Cassian kind of like he kills one of them and Damn. uh so they go out to try to arrest him and he's from a planet that the empire basically genocided and he's not supposed to he's not supposed to be there he's not supposed to be alive um so he, on top of being a, you know, a cop killer, uh, he has to get the fuck out of Dodge and he winds up, uh, he winds up meeting up with this character named Luthen, who is, a, a Stellan Skarsgård's character. And he, uh, this is a guy who is some sort of like rich socialite who is leading this ridiculous double life trying to start the rebellion. Okay. And he is very interesting and extremely ruthless but also like really playing the game he's the one who's putting all of this stuff in order to, uh, basically to kick off 
their attacks on the Empire on Aldani. Like, this job that they're involved in uh, on Aldani is what's basically kicking off the rebellion for real. And so he hires Cassian Andor because they needed one more person for this job. So he's a mercenary, uh, basically, at this point. He doesn't want anything to do with the rebellion. He's just in it for the money. But as, you know, he met that guy that had the manifesto that, that kind of was talking about the uh, rebellion in general, and it, it kind of started to rub off on him. So by the time we get to Cassian Andor in Rogue One, you know, the, the, the movie that this is a prequel to, he's pretty diehard for the rebellion, but he's also not like, you know, super yay gusto good guy. He's a very gray area kind of like, I do horrible shit for the rebellion. It's because you can't do this without doing some horrible shit. Like you've got to make some bad choices and some people have to walk that line between good guy and bad guy. And that's what I do. Gotcha. Um, and that was made very so clear in this episode when, you know, the, the manifesto guys talking to him before they start the heist. And he's like, the empire doesn't care about playing by the rules because they don't care about you and they don't have to. Yeah, And I think that that was a nice way of kind of slipping that into his character of like, okay, you got that, you, you understand that about the empire. And so it'll, we see how that will like kind of float through his consciousness to get him to the point where he is in Rogue One, where he's like, so I'm not going to play by the rules either. Fuck it. And I will say that that was what I said I'd circle back to. Um, Rogue One was the first Star Wars movie that made me care about Star Wars. Uh, I didn't, I hadn't really watched the original trilogy or, uh, like I had seen the, I'd seen the, the episodes one, two, and three when they were coming out, mostly just by coincidence, there was never a point at which I was actively like, yeah, I can't wait to see this. Um, You're so I ended up, you know? yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and like I, one of them I saw with like, while I was with family, like I remember I was like visiting family and it was just on the TV and they were like, oh yeah, Star Wars, you'd be into this. Right. And I was like, why? Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's not uncommon for people who, you know, aren't yeah. in no nerd culture to assume that anyone who is in nerd culture is into Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, when Fair I was enough. like eight and I didn't understand why people thought I should care. Now I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but overall, like Rogue One was the movie that made me go back and be like, oh, like my, I was talking to one of my cousins about it because he's a huge Star Wars fan. And he was like, Angie, this is this is the movie that like leads to the episode that the episode three like this is where everything starts like you if you like this movie then you need to see what happens next and and because i said to him that i was like curious you know and i was like oh it just kind of makes me wonder what happens next and he's like fucking star wars happens next like the movies <laughs> and i was like star okay. wars happens next <laughs> their style the, the original trilogy and, and star wars in general you know rogue one was already a pretty big departure from star wars in general you know stylistically speaking i think that's why i liked um, it <laughs> but this this show is an even further departure because while rogue one you know involved darth vader and a lightsaber and the force uh this show doesn't at all there's no lightsabers there's no sith no jedi no nothing it is it is just a science fiction show set in the star wars universe and that intensity that feeling of 
this is really important what's happening right here. I, I, I don't even know why I'm rooting for her or who I'm rooting for. Like, th this is intense. Mm -hmm. That level of intensity is something that this show does repeatedly. Um, yeah, which is also weird. well. Because, like, at the end of the day, I'm not worried about Andor. Like, I know he has plot immunity. So, like... Yeah, he's he's got plot armor. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. But he's the only character... Not now, actually, he's not the only character. There's one other character from Rogue One that he does meet up with that you then know oh, survives cool. at least till Rogue One, but he's just a background character, just okay. like he was in Rogue One. <laughs> Got you. Also, Diego Luna. That, I don't know what happens to any of these people. Oh uh, yeah, that well, that was and that was the other thing too is like I wondered how much relevance they had, especially when one of the guys like died in that episode, and they were like, "Ah, oh. all right, move along." Um, yeah. Yeah, that guy that guy dying was a real bummer because I I really liked him. The the guy with the manifesto that was having trouble sleeping the night before. There is one other character on this show that they didn't even touch on in this episode. I mean, they did. There was one scene at the end in the Galactic Senate um and there was a little woman talking to all the other senators like right at the end of the episode nobody was listening to her. That's um that's Mon Mothma. She was in the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh she's one of the founders of the rebel alliance um at this point she is a, a senator mm. and she is also similar uh, she's kind of sort of working with luthan using her family's wealth and her position to secretly fund and work on uh, creating the rebel alliance because you know the empire is fucking evil gotcha um, and a lot of this show is also dealing with her life and the kinds of decisions that she has to make once you know the empire starts cracking down and you know you kind of sort of suspecting her of uh various activities or suspecting everyone of various activities it's her arc is also really quite fascinating and the blonde girl the that was overacting is her cousin i think mm. is uh who she's supposed to be which is so weird because you see her in the way that she is in that episode and then I think the following episode, you see her go to visit on Mothma and I didn't even recognize her at first because she's all dressed up because she is a, she's rich. <laughs> <laughs> she's not, okay. she, she's not at all the character that she appears to be in these episodes as this mercenary. Like she's just, she's almost unrecognizable, um, which is pretty wild. Um, I cannot recommend watching the rest of this enough. Like I, I understand that after rewatching it, I'm looking at it like there's, there's just so much context missing from here. I hope that at least the, the really awesome visual effects of the, the, the sky and <laughs> just the intensity of the episode are what comes through. Um, but the lack of context with everything else that was happening. So like you saw Luthen towards the end where that guy was just like, yeah, there was a big rebel attack on Aldani. You got any Aldani stuff in the shop? Mm -hmm. And then he goes, he goes into the back room and just kind of celebrates, mm -hmm. you know, cause you know, this was his shit. He set that, he set that in motion. And, uh, I think then... that's the real downfall of this episode. If there is any, is that there's hardly any Luthen and he is just a fascinating character. He is, uh, so, this watchable quality to him because he's still in Skarsgård. Um, yeah. But yeah, Luthen is just a fascinating character and the fact that there was none of him in this episode, I was like, oh no, people aren't going to know. People need to know. 
Like yeah, people don't no know him. how great Stellan Skarsgård is. Well, I know. none of Mon Mothma, you know, and and the other big standout for this series was uh, Andy Serkis's character, which again, there's there's none of him, and uh, but you, but you, like I said before, you can't you can't just drop into the middle of this. It's yeah, you, you got to watch you got to watch all of them, and they're the reason I didn't start with the first one is like the first two episodes are kind of slow. There's just this, there's this low level buildup that I remember watching it, you know, and for the first time being like, yeah, this is cool. I'm into it. I wasn't like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is some really interesting Star Wars. I'm, I'm very, very into this, you know, because I'm me. But then by the time it started picking up, by the time it started really getting to where it was going, it was, it was unbelievably riveting. And mm. This show just beat the pants off of both uh, Lord of the Rings and uh, House of the Dragon as far as being an incredibly well-written, well-performed show that delivered on intensity and just completely memorable moments. Like, those two were the shows that everyone was talking about this this summer or this, this fall, being like, no, these are the two shows, they're going to duke it out, which one's, one's going to be the best one? And the best one was Andor, uh, like, <laughs> by a country mile. It was not even close. The this is one of the, the Star Wars Twitter was united on this show for a while. Wow! <laughs> While it was airing, you couldn't even find the usual Star Wars detractors. Obviously, they all came out became being like, "Wow, Andor's great." It's a shame everything else Disney has ever done sucks, and you're <laughs> stupid for liking it. So obviously it went, <laughs> fell down that toilet hole that is the fandom menace. But while this show was airing, like, God, what was the line? Never more than 12. Like, it, I, I won't say what it means. Just after that episode aired, <laughs> you jump on Twitter and there's just all these people saying never more than 12. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I cannot wait. And then I watched the episode and I was like, holy shit. This is exciting. I can't wait for next week to see what happens next. It's one uh, of those like rare viewing experiences that's like becoming more and more rare because of streaming. It's like, you know, people relatively united, more or less watching something at the same time and talking about the same thing. And everybody, at least in that community, is saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's neat to be a part of. That's very cool. Yeah. It was ex it was extremely fun, and God, what happened after that? That that the show ends pretty incredibly. Like the 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 end of this this season, because there is going to be a season two, um, was a ridiculously awesome. Just just the way uh, it depicts rebellion and just the the overwhelming hubris of the empire and you know fascist control. And what it takes to fight against it. It's it just goes to all these places that is a difficult place for Star Wars to go, I think, because of how inherently silly it is. Um there's you know, you're you're looking at this show that that has, you know, droids with, with that make funny noises, but they have personalities. And okay, so what are the actual politics of these different aliens that live on these different planets like 
this droid character that you meet, it doesn't really say much, but you feel so very bad for it when um, this one character dies that the droid is so sad isn't around anymore, like a, like a pet. And then it's like, okay, so this show is taking itself seriously enough for me to be genuinely moved by this. Aren't droids slaves? <laughs> don't 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 think too much about it. Don't think too much about what sort of rights are actually involved for all these different species and stuff in Star Wars because it is so inherently silly. But it it walks that line just so incredibly well by just pointing the focus on the story that it wants to tell um, within the confines of the Star Wars universe, and it does. What prequel? What good prequel content is supposed to do? Rogue One accomplished what the three prequel Star Wars movies failed so miserably to do, which is to enhance the existing content, not hurt it. <laughs> um, and you know, it 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 didn't create new stupid plot holes and inconsistencies just because of reasons. I don't know. The, the prequels make me so very angry, but Rogue One <laughs> didn't do that. Rogue One took what existed in the original Star Wars trilogy and enhanced it by its existing. And I didn't really know what to expect out of an Andor show because I loved Rogue One, but it's not like I was dying to see more Cassian Andor. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. But here we are, and it's it's fascinating. It's made doubly fascinating because this show is happening largely at the same time as... I've spoken about it on the show before Star Wars Rebels, the animated series, yeah. which is also a show about the way the rebellion started, but it's from a completely different set of characters. Like it's the rebellion happening somewhere else. It's another thing that, that it's going to cross paths with. So um, <clears throat> there is a scene in an episode of Star Wars Rebels where Mon Mothma, you know, officially gives up being a Senator and declares her, uh, allegiance with the rebel alliance and you know that's where this character is heading and uh tonally those two shows could not be more different you know one is a children's cartoon with jedi and the force and laser swords and funny looking aliens with purple skin and googly eyes and this show is so very not that but it's wonderful that um star wars as a property can be this malleable and I've I've just been so thrilled with all the Star Wars content we've gotten this year. Even even for as stupid as Book of Boba Fett was, I love <laughs> that dumb show. And I will I, I I'll never not love that show. I will always admit to its enormous flaws, but I still loved it. And I loved Obi Wan. I thought Obi Wan was great too. Everybody everybody hates that show now. Which like why when when why did that happen? But yeah. I mean, like I didn't it, watch it. Was it, on, but... it was everyone was like, "This is freaking great," except for the people who were like, "Ew, kid Leia, this is dumb." Um, but for the most part, people freaking loved the Obi Wan show, and now it's like the trashiest of the trash. Everyone hates the Obi Wan show; it's garbage, and you're a fool for loving it because Star Wars fan. Nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. But I've been just I've been eating like a king this year. I've I think Star Wars has been phenomenal. It's some of the best it's ever been. And Andor was the peak of that for me. And I don't want every Star Wars show to be like this because it's such a different thing from what makes Star Wars special. But 
it had its own specialness and I really, 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 really hope as many people as possible watch it. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, because really you do not need that connection to the greater Star Wars universe for this show. It's, it is such a unique standalone thing because you don't need to know the mythology surrounding things. The only thing you need to know is that this is a science fiction show and the empire is bad. I think that's been established. So good on us. <laughs> uh, oh God! The, the, the what's the woman? The the evil woman? Evil oh, Deirdre! Oh, this show, Deirdre! Oh my God! This show does this this wonderful thing where you are legit rooting for this woman in the beginning. Like it's like, wow! I really don't want to root for somebody in the Empire, but like I'm really pulling for her because she's like she's being treated like she's being treated like a woman in business. And it's like there's all this misogyny in the empire towards her, and just she's just being passed over, and like you really sort of kind of kind of sort of root for her until she finally gets her way, and you realize that oh right, she works for the empire, she's an evil fucking fascist, <laughs> and she is awful. She does some terrible shit. God, the torture scene. There's this silent torture scene that's like breathtaking to watch it's it's horrible that they do this i won't say what it is in case you do watch the show or anybody else watches it because it's it's just disgusting what they do but they put something on this one character that she has to listen to and you don't get to hear it it's described to you what she's going to hear and then you just see her reaction to it and it is amazing that's cool See that's ex- that's interesting. That that creates intrigue for me and makes me want to go. Ooh, I want to watch for that. Yeah, it's a hell of a show. I think the one uh, one other thing that we didn't mention necessarily that we suffer by just only highlighting this episode is uh, the amazing job job that this show does of kind of building a season. Because this is the mid, yeah. this is like the mid-season break, you would say, if it was, you know, airing on TV 20 years ago. Um, and it's it's great enough to be a season finale. Like, it's captivating, it's exciting, it's interesting, it's great to look at, all of these things. Um, and then there's a whole fucking half a show left. <laughs> like, it just keeps going. And you're like, oh. And it's so good good too like i thought like this is really what we were doing and when we did it but now there's more and i get to see it so as, was, a, as a person who likes <laughs> you know instant gratification and i as soon as the season's over i want the next one it was nice to kind of get two like two complete story arcs in one season yeah and i was kind of worried about it like okay well well we just did it you know we did the thing we, we pulled off the, the heist like all right what the hell are you going to do next? And then the whole prison thing happened. I was like, oh, oh. I actually did wonder about that because I was like, where does this go from here? And so that's cool to know. And then, uh, but one, a couple of things I will say, like, f- okay, freaking Darth Maul can get his body chopped in half. And they're like, yeah, we'll just throw some mechanical legs on him. He'll be fine. But this dude, like, gets hit by a box that's a little too heavy and he dies. And I just thought that that was interesting. That the kid, like, did not survive. Was he in all of the episodes leading up to that one? Not all of them. Just the ones that took place once and once Cassian got to where he was. And Cassian was going by a 
an assumed name during this one. I forget what they're calling him. Clem, because that was Clem, his dad's name. Right. Um, so we so know it... why that kid died, though, right? No, no. He wasn't wearing his plot armor. Oh, <laughs> duh. Yes, of course. Um, well, the thing is, is, is he's human, and humans are pretty fragile in the Star Wars universe for the most part, you know? Darth Maul wasn't a human. He's That's an fair. alien. So we don't know if his important body parts exist below the waist. Like He could be a time he lord. He can survive just fine. We don't know where his spleen is or even if he has one. So Yeah, that's fair. You can you can kind of plot armor that, but you know, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn got run through with a lightsaber. Deadzo, you know, it's a... Uh, that's a good point. See, that's why I asked, though, because I was like, this doesn't... I don't know. But the other yeah, thing... No, he's, he's just a dude. Got his insides crushed by yeah. a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, fuck that guy at the end who was super sketchy and tried to turn on everybody. That was dumb. Oh, my God. What a dick. And and Cassian just fucking kills him. There was no conversation. Like I was surprised that he just up and murdered the dude. Yeah. Like, he, was, he was not interested in any of it. He was like, you're dead. Give me my money. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yep. I don't want anything to do with any of the rest of this. Oh, we didn't get any Marva in this either. Yeah, that's that's another shame. So she's, um, God, what's that actor's name? Fiona Shaw. Uh, Fiona Shaw. You've seen her in plenty of things. Uh, she was in Killing Eve. Uh, something else we were just talking about earlier in the the show too. She was in, but anyway, she's she's fantastic. And there is a line that unfortunately had to be changed. Uh, in the final episode, but when they originally recorded it, the line is that was actually recorded her saying "fuck the empire." Oh damn! <laughs> Which obviously they had to change, but as it was originally written and recorded, it was her this this wonderful woman saying "fuck the empire." Oh, what a her every every character gets these. Every one of the really main characters gets these really, really incredible moments. The the girl who gets tortured in this and silence that was a, just a, an amazing piece of acting. Diego Luna does some gets some great moments as Cassian. Luthen's speech was probably my favorite. Um, there's a a point where you find out that Luthen has a contact within the Empire and has this conversation with the guy who's saying that he wants out. Like, he just wants to be done with it. It's too dangerous. And Luthen's just like, sorry, I own you. Uh, you want out of this? It's not going to happen. You're too important to me. And, like, he tries to turn around and is like, I'm sacrificing everything. and put my family at risk. What are you risking? And Luthen gives this just amazing speech of, like, what he is sacrificing to make the rebellion happen. Um... Marva's speech at the very end, uh, where she says "fuck the empire," was also pretty amazing. Uh, Mon Mothma gets some just just gut wrenching scenes about decisions that she has to make about her family uh, and her daughter in order to continue doing what she feels needs to be done. And it, it, it's I just can't say enough good about the show. It was, just blew me away, top to bottom, and. Picking a single episode is near impossible because the great stuff requires the stuff that came before it to be great. Uh, so watching any of it truly out of context is is a difficult thing, but it also starts out at its weakest. So yeah, 
Well, I think you did a good job, and, and thank you for the suggestion because I haven't been making the effort to watch any Star Wars television at all, so it was nice to actually get a chance to to put a little time and effort into this one. Well, I'm glad you did. Thanks, me too. Anybody have any final thoughts before we move on? Uh, Aunt Petunia in Harry Potter is where else you know Fiona Shaw from. That's right. We talked about the Dursleys, and Holy she was Aunt shit. Petunia. That's right. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I do know who she is. Okay. Oh, God, she's so much more likable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, she's, she's a character that she'll meet in like the first two episodes and be like, all right, I hope there's more of her. And thankfully, there, there very much is. Hey, guys, Evan's home. Hey, hey Evan. Evan's home. I love Evan. Me too. All right, let's wrap this up because I want to go make out with my husband. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, okay, awesome. Ooh. I mean, me okay. too, but he's not here. Oh. <laughs> mm. Well, on that said, note that is our episode. That is our show. This week's episode is not filmed before a live studio audience, but it is fueled by feedback from listeners like you, and you can get in touch with us in a multitude of ways. We have an official Geekade Discord, where there's an entire this week's episode channel dedicated to all things TV talk. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through the official Geekade channels or the more specific Twepcast accounts. And of course, the four of us can be found in various ways. I'm available on Twitter at Geekade Chris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S, you can read my work at StoneAgeGamer.com and in the pages of Nintendo Force magazine. Karen, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at STM Stitches on uh, all of the socials and on Etsy. Uh, it's the holiday season, so shop from small makers. Angie, what about you? Just check out my website. Uh, it's AngelaFernot.com. And since Evan's not here, I'll also plug TalesOfCapeFear.com. That's the comic anthology we run. So, you know, uh, check that stuff out. And, and we got we got things, stuff and things happening. So follow our social media. Go team. If you yeah. need more to know more about the shows we discussed tonight or what we'll be watching in the future, have a look at our show notes. And if you have any other questions at all, we can always be found at mail at ek.com just include the words this week's episode in the subject line so we know who you're trying to reach this show is available anywhere fine podcasts are sold including apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher youtube and more and wherever you decide to listen please like comment subscribe and leave reviews because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated and if you'd like to get early access to any of our episodes of this week's episode and of course various other geekade podcasts please check out our geekade patreon where we will love and appreciate you and you can get early access to most of our podcasts as always keep your eyes on geekade.com for more fresh original content uh so who's up next whose pick is it next this is a great question that none of us know the answer to i really think it's karen oh awesome i'm completely unprepared you guys okay excellent i love that for you <laughs> uh cool do we want to like Figure that out real quick. Karen, pick something. Go. Oh, no. I, I'm going to throw up. Um, oh, hang on. Let me look at my little list of things that I want to watch and see. Um, oh, you know what we could talk about? Do, 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 do. We can talk about the Winchesters. Oh, you fuck. Oh, okay. boy. Okay. Damn. I mean, Girl, you know Firefly Lane season two is out? I haven't even gotten to it, my friend. Okay, that was going to be my suggestion if you needed one, but dang, Winchesters, that's a good pull. I like it. Let's do it, because I have not watched it. I'm too scared. Yeah, I Any mean... episode in particular? I just say go season one, episode one. I watched, I think, like five of them that Evan had, and then I 
dropped off and forgot it existed. Cool. <laughs> Glad it was memorable. Not because it's not good. Uh-huh. So, but let yeah, let's jump back into that world and and watch uh, the Winchesters. Okay. Yeah, well, there's your homework. Winchesters season one, episode one, should be an interesting one. And on right. that note, we are going to wrap things up here. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, I am Chris. I'm, I'm Karen. Karen. Ah! <laughs> I, you know what? We couldn't do any better than that. Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.